welcome back to the Dirt Talk podcast. This is a Dirt Talk Monday edition, which maybe even Mondays are up for debate at this point. Yeah, who knows what's happening. <clears throat> We've been podcasting for years now, which is a wild thought. I started early 2020, mm-hmm. and we are in the year 2022. You and I are at truly at 18 months of this. That's amazing. Together. So I started it myself, then Mr. Alex Horton came on. And we have Mr. Harrison in the back now. And he's like six months. It's a it's a growing production yeah. here. Uh, started in just basically interviewing the people I'd met in the industry. We still do that every mm-hmm. week. Uh, but we also added an additional episode to just shoot the poop, talk about dirt, answer questions, shit talk, equipment manufacturers, contractors, whatever it is. Give gas station reviews. Gas station reviews. Mm-hmm. Try to create compelling content that isn't purely... An interview with someone in the dirt world. Sure. Compelling. The jury is very much out on that. Yeah. But here we are nonetheless. Here so we are. This is, and, and since we are a few years down the road, we are, I don't know, we're workshopping things a little bit. Yeah. Right? We, you know, we talked before this. Aaron and I are really good at putting together a 40-minute podcast of us talking about stuff. And maybe at this point, you know, we could shake it up for creativity's sake from our side, but also... We want to uh, you know, bring everybody out of the comfort zone a little bit and uh, muddy the waters when it comes to knowing what to expect. Yeah. And maybe it's, this is all a terrible idea. It all goes wrong and all seven of our listeners leave. Yeah. To be determined. So thank you, all seven of you, for listening. We appreciate your support. And hopefully we don't ruin the valuable trust we've built with you. Yes. And that said, today's episode, we're just doing questions galore. Okay. On the podcast. Really going crazy with questions. You know, some of these might be like a quick, uh, yep, no problem. That's the answer. Here you go. Move on. And well, I guess to ex- put some context to this, though, whenever I would, um, when I was doing this myself, sometimes I would forget to get a guest and I'm like, oh, crap. So I'd need <laughs> guess to guess I'm answering questions. Yes, exactly. So mm-hmm. I would go on Instagram, put the little question box on my story, and I would get 200 questions overnight. And most of them, some of them are stupid. Sure. Uh, you, you idiots, some of you. <laughs> but most of them were pretty good. And that, I would just rifle through the questions. I think people enjoyed it. Yeah, those were pretty fun episodes. I have no idea because I don't hear anything about this podcast. Um, th- now we get regular questions. However, there are questions that you ans- ask specifically to bring about conversation. However, there are some questions that get left out of that. They get left behind. They're like, wait, 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 where are your two? Come on. Um, that just don't apply to a conversation, but are still questions to answer nonetheless. So this, we've gone through our dusty question drawer. That's so dusty. <laughs> and we have, we've gone all the way to the back corners and, and, and scraped everything in there to the front, removed it, laid it all out on the table. And here we are today, rifling through our question drawer for some spring cleaning in September. Mm-hmm. And so some of these questions are going to be the typical Monday episode question, you know, just to spur some conversation. Some of these are going to be real short. That's the fun part of this, you know? Great. Cool. So we're going to jump right into it. Q&A. Let's do it. First question is from Jared. He says, I'm an, I'm an equipment operator in Northern California. I'm currently looking for places to move and change up my scenery. What areas have you guys discovered that are hidden gems, so to speak, full of the industry and a pleasant place to live? Denver, Colorado is popping off right now. North Carolina's popping off right now. Raleigh, Charlotte area. Mm-hmm. Florida's popping off right now. Nashville's popping off. Montana's starting to pop off. Arizona's popping off. Mm-hmm. Texas is popping off. 
<clears throat> there's a lot of growth right now. Um, so the more underrated places I've been, for whatever reason, I like Richmond, Virginia. San Antonio is another one I think is very underrated. Uh, I'm trying to think. I would need to actually look at a map to identify sure. underrated things. I like Starkville, Mississippi, for whatever reason. I don't even Starkville. know why I like Starkville, but I like Starkville. Right. I yeah, I would I would be looking at uh, Texas, Colorado, Arizona. If I were if I were in uh, California, Texas, Colorado, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina would probably be the first places I would go. Tennessee, mm-hmm. there, a lot of stuff. Oh, it's booming. Yeah. But but the cool thing about being an operator right now is, and the cool thing about being in this industry, you're only getting more valuable. So don't subscribe to the thinking that you're replaceable because you're not right now to these companies, I promise you. And the companies that think you're replaceable and act like you're replaceable are going to die at some point because that is by no means a sustainable business model in in the changing workplace um, environment. So go where you want to go. You'll be able to find work yeah. if you're worthwhile as an operator. Now, the wages... That's a different story. All the states I just pointed out are primarily non-union, if not all non-union, and the wages are by no means what you're seeing in North, Northern California. Sure. So that's a consideration. And, but the cost of living is certainly different than yes. Northern California yeah. too. So in Tennessee, you don't have Gavin taking half your money to no. go buy stupid shit with. <laughs> that's what it is. Mm. It's just a different place. Uh. Oh, I think those are all uh, pretty cool spots. I think that you mentioned too. I feel like not even necessarily saying uh, if you're in Northern California, I feel like the way I would think about that, if it's like, I want to move somewhere that's not too huge yet. I feel like I'd almost be going through like, what, um, what are like my non-negotiables about like where I could be interested in going next kind of thing. Yeah. I would, I, I would approach it from where do you want to live? Yeah. What do you find cool? The work, wanna, there's going to be work there probably. Yeah. Where do you want to raise kids? And uh, I would think about it a little bit bigger than just work because you can find really good work anywhere in this in this industry. And even if the economy goes down with the workforce problem, see, even if demand decreases, you're going to have more people retiring, especially if demand, demand decreases because people are going to finally retire. They're just going to call it quits. Like what happened with COVID and other industries? A lot of people just retired. They just yeah, like, hey, like, I'm just going to deal with this. The, yeah, I don't want to deal with this, throwing the towel. And then that's going to create an even bigger problem. So you're going to be good to go mm-hmm. if assuming you're valuable. And that's up to you. Well said. Cool. Thanks, Jared. Next question from Brady. Any advice and or book recommendations for an intern in heavy civil construction? Extreme ownership. Always number one. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. No. Dude, it's so that's such an easy one. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read Extreme Ownership, uh an, another one that's really shaped my perspective is Everybody Matters. Yeah. That's a really big one too. I think construction needs more extreme ownership. I think people need to learn how to uh, lead more effectively and take ownership of the situation they're in. There's a lot of uh I don't know. I, there's not a lot of ownership. I think we need more of it. I think everybody needs more of it. Sure. And then we definitely need more caring and we definitely need more everybody matters. And I think that story and those principles are very applicable to construction as well. They were from, they're from the lens of industrial manufacturing. So it's still largely blue collar where they 
did all of this stuff very successfully, Barry Waymiller. But I think most of the principles apply very, very well to the construction industry. And that is essentially the playbook the construction industry needs to solve its people problem. Yeah. In my opinion. Well said. I also think what's interesting about those two books in particular is there's a lot of value for those or a lot of value for folks who are, you know, um, in like high ranking leadership positions, as well as interns like trying to just like figure out what they're doing with their life. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to learn in both sides of that equation from from uh, books like that. The biggest thing is just read. Yeah, just read, period. Just, just read. I, I do 10 pages a day. It's not dramatic, but I do it seven days a week. No nonsense. If you want to be more valuable, if you want to have a great job out of college, the more you read, the more you'll know, the more valuable you'll be. Pretty damn simple. It's, it's pretty damn simple. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you overachieve on your reading goal some days? Or like are you pretty disciplined yeah. to, I'm not going to read more than that? No, no, no. Okay. No, there's no ceiling to it, but there's definitely a floor. Like, I got to hit these 10. I'm, I'm like struggling to get, I got it, but I got to do it. Yeah. It's very rarely. That's 10. Sorry, I can't read the next page. No, can't do it, it. Yesterday, I probably did 40 or okay. 50 because I'm into this new book about fossil fuels. Yeah. Is that something you posted yesterday? Yeah, it, it is. It looks pretty interesting. It is so fascinating. Such an interesting, interesting take on everything. Cool. Yeah. Sick. Well, thanks. Thanks, Brady. Hopefully that's uh, helpful to you. Next question from Julian. Aaron, I've been crushing for about eight years, making gravel and asphalt plant material mostly. I'm not crazy about it as, a, or I'm not as crazy about it as I used to be. In the most recent years, I've run dozer in the pits, stripping, restoring, etc. I've developed a passion for it and want to move on to the grading side. I've switched multiple companies crushing and it just isn't doing it for me anymore. Would it be a wise move to chase the dozer dream? And how would you go about it? Sure. I mean, worst case scenario, it doesn't work and you go back to where you're at. It doesn't work for you. Like, it's not what you thought it would be. Yeah, I would do it now because, like, as I've said, everybody's hiring. It's the time to shake things up. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And it might not be indefinitely. It, it won't be indefinitely. So take advantage of it while it is. But I uh, would approach it. I would just look into construction companies in your area. If you've been crushing, you probably know a lot of the contractors in the area. Yeah. Where, who are your customers? Who's buying the rock? Who's putting certainly, it down? certainly I've heard of who you're working for. Yeah, you probably already know everybody out there if mm-hmm. you're in the industry crushing because your customers are who you want to go work for. Uh, so poke around, go to their website, apply, give them a shout, talk to people on LinkedIn that work there, message them. I think there's a lot you can do to explore it even without making a, a final switch. Mm-hmm. Is that a pretty significant jump in terms of uh, technical skill going from running a dozer like in, in pit stripping, et cetera, to kind of the grading side of that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, skateboarding and snowboarding. It's There's still boards, still similar motions. But like it's different things. But different. Yeah. Okay. Um, grading is, it's, it's, it's different. You're dealing with different material. You're, Mm -hmm. you're finishing. It's a lot more precise. You're potentially working by traffic. You're working on tighter sites. You're working potentially with smaller finish machines. Yeah. You're working with other machines like a blade or a scraper. Because Um, I guess if you're in the, the like materials kind of crushing side, you're really at like the beginning of that process in terms of what the material is going to do. Yeah. And it's more, if you're in a pit, it's more production based. So you are rocking and rolling, typically bigger dozers, Pushing material back and forth. Yeah, it's not finishing work. It's not finishing work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. That's interesting. 
Uh, Julian, thanks for the question, man. But that's the cool thing about the industry is you can take the same skill set and go apply it differently. So you can have different careers. You don't need to be running at a gravel pit for your whole career. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be in a finish dozer your whole career. You don't need to be a foreman your whole career. You can try out different things. Mm -hmm. Like I know a guy, he's uh, in California and he was a foreman for a while, operator, became a foreman and is now owner operator. He bought a blade, created a one-man construction company, mm -hmm. subs out for the big earthwork contractors in Southern California, just doing a different thing. You can go take your skill set. It's the skill set. That's what's cool about yeah. it. Take that skill set and you can apply it differently to go create a different career for you. That There's nothing wrong with that. Do you think that there's like a misconception on the transferability of some of that skills in the industry? Or just like a, not enough people understand how those things can be transferable? Um, yeah, I think there also is you get comfortable and then learning how to finish grade. I mean, going back to being bad at a machine you're not used to being bad at. True. Is a barrier. Uh, it's scary to just move diff to different company. Yeah. You know, if you've been doing something for years, making that jump, if, especially of a family, that's always scary. There's always potential risk there. But I think the risk, especially right now, is very low. Well, I'm sure there's also a little bit of it's hard to make that jump in the same company because they're like, well, you've been doing this and I need you to be doing this. Mm -hmm. Right. Like unless <clears throat> unless they need somebody to step into a leadership role and you have the most experience, there's probably a lot of like, well, I didn't ask you to do that. I asked you to do this and you're doing yeah, that well, well. So that's making me money. I mean, ideally, you can work for a big contractor that can move you around to different. Hey, I want to actually go be on a pipe crew now instead of running uh, production hoe hand. I want to be, you know, on uh, running a hoe on a pipe pipe mm -hmm. crew. It's it's it, ideally okay. Yeah, we can switch you over here. But sometimes the company, if it's a small pit, for example, there's only so many. There's benches. nowhere to go. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. So if okay, great. If you want to be there for forty years, fantastic. Go be there for forty years. But if you don't, the only option is to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, that's perfectly okay. I for my business, I hope that everybody can have the career they want to have here. But if that's not the case, which it 100% will not be the case for everybody. Yeah. They're, they're, it's not possible. And I don't want it to be possible because if I'm trying to make it possible, I'm stifling people's careers. Uh, I want to help them get to where they want to be, especially if it's not within my business. Because if they don't want to be here, they can't perform as well for what we're doing. Yeah. And then they're putting a ceiling on themselves. They're not where they could be as a human being. It's a lose-lose. Are large, uh, like the big boy contractors, are they typically more uh, receptive to somebody saying like, hey, I want to just do something totally different? I don't, think, I don't think a lot of people are receptive to that. Just period. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of stay in your lane. But the better contractors should be. A lot of the contractors. Because they, they can afford that movement a little bit more probably. Well, a smart contractor would be, yeah, if that's what it takes to keep you engaged and keep you here, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep you. Mm -hmm. But it's also two-sided. Uh, you need to be a good hand. If you're worth a shit, they're going to fight for you. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Interesting. Cool. I mean, that's a good way to know if you're worth anything. Yeah. If they say, <laughs> yeah, you can do that too. Yeah. 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 Whatever you want to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and if they say that and they act that way, you can probably ask for more money too, but I'm just a separate uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, uh, Julian. Appreciate it. Next question. Da, da, da. It's from Dave Cutler. Build with, uh, sorry, Dirt Talk alum. Cool. It says, does Aaron ever let anyone else drive on road trips? I don't know that I've ever seen him in the passenger seat at all. No, I get car sick. You don't? I get really car sick. 
and it sucks. It sucks. So I completely stay away from not driving. Not driving because I don't get sick when I drive. Interesting. Yeah. Is there, I, is there like a certain level of control to that that keeps you like you feel like if I'm driving, I can control my thing and that way I don't feel sick or I don't I don't know. I probably should. It look just works out for you. So it. I'm not going to mess but, with it. But yeah, I've gotten car sick since I was a little kid and it's never it's never slowed down. Mm. It's been consistent my entire life and it is brutal. Well, brutal. I mean, when you when you fly, you always take Dramamine. That's yeah. Your, that's and if move. I don't like the last time I forgot Dramamine. So I, I, go, I go to the airport and I'm I I. Leave security because usually I take it right after security. If I'm assuming I'm there pretty tight. Yeah. So I'm rifling around. I can't find like, any. Oh, shit. And I'm just like, oh, shit. So I go to the first convenience store, nothing. Go to the second convenience store, nothing. The third one, I go to every damn convenience store in the terminal, nothing. That's bizarre, too, because I feel like that's like a big dude thing they sell they in the have airport. Every other stupid pill imaginable. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if you want. You want goodie, goodie powder to pour in your mouth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something that you would never need in an airport, we have it. But something you would very much need in an airport, why the hell would we have that? Yep. You should have got it <laughs> elsewhere, you idiot. Well, I forgot it. And it was, it was, I was on the brink. It was so close to vomiting. I had a bag in my oh. lap the whole time. And the, the, the flight attendant, I was, I was so physically ill looking. The flight attendant came over and gave me some ice and was like, are you good to go? Bless her. Are you going to be okay? That was a rough, that was a rough two hours. You would think that flight attendants would keep Dramamine, though I'm sure there's plenty of like, they can't hand out medication. See, so people, people get this wrong. They think the airlines care about you. They don't. They don't <laughs> actually care about you. Yeah. <laughs> you are not a human. You are just a number, a piece of cattle on their aircraft to help try to break even for the year. Yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> and yes, I am jaded when it comes to air travel. Yeah, you've but seen if you enough. travel enough, you become really jaded, <laughs> especially nowadays. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. I actually had, uh, there was a flight attendant the other day. She memorized everybody's name. I was in first class, so. Yeah, sure. I got upgraded. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was only 10 or 12 people. But as we walked off the aircraft, she wasn't looking at a sheet or anything, called everybody by name. I'm like, that. That's fantastic. That's a certain level of care and service. Respect the hell out of that. Yeah. And that is completely lost. And I'm sure plenty of people are like, just like, why do you know my name? You know, but then there are plenty of other people like, that's a better experience because of that random thing. Well, I'm sure you're not the first person to say that. I mean, it goes back to Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. The sweetest name or the sweetest word to anybody is their name. Mm -hmm. So you call someone by name. There's a emotional, physical reaction to that because it, it's, it's very meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. But most people are feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, there is a teacher at my kid's school who always greets me and my wife by like our names. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm ta- I'll talk to you for a minute. For sure. Because you said my name. Well, because it, it signals to you that I care enough about you to know your name. Well, because so many people, when they greet someone, it's... it's they mean it as a rhetorical. Yeah. Like, hey, what's going on? They're expecting you just to say, hey. Yes. But if somebody attaches your name to that, it's like, oh, they must want to talk to me. Well, it's, it, again, it says, I care about you. Mm-hmm. So let's have a conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. going to walk in that door every day of the week. Yeah. So, yeah, Aaron does not uh, let anyone else drive is the answer to that. <laughs> no. 
I don't. He won't, and uh, don't even bother asking. No plans to, because I get sick every single time. Uh, and I've ridden in the car with Aaron maybe four times and have gotten into one car accident in those four times. Yeah, that was not... Not, not his fault. Not at all my fault. Some drive turkey just merged right into us. I was just driving around. We were just driving right along. Yeah. And here's a... Like a little little bump, and it was like kind of a really short car, so we, we couldn't even we see didn't it. see it. Yeah, and it's <laughs> I, you know we're in an F two fifty. How can't you see an F two fifty next to you? That's not this little smart no, car. That's not. That's a big target. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, right into us, messed up her car pretty good, dented my door a little bit. Yeah, but the problem is it's an Aluma duty, so it's a chore to get fixed. Yeah, it took a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say I typically feel uh, safe with Aaron driving. 75% of the time. Yeah. Uh, well, I've thanks. also wrecked a rental car child. Oh. So child does not like, like driving. <laughs> He'll get his own rental car next time. Uh, thanks, Dave. Good to hear from you. So uh, next question from Jermaine. At what level should companies specialize their equipment for jobs, custom attachments, et cetera? It, Is that like if you have one piece of equipment and you do one kind of job and you're the only guy? It's so dependent. It's so dependent. There's a lot of companies. So many people... Everybody in the on the internet lives in this idealistic world that you should specialize and tailor your machine to every exact task possible. Mm-hmm. The reality is you're more you're you're better off with a more flexible machine most of the time. That's typically the 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 gist of the industry in in the United States. Yeah. You're better off with a more flexible f- fleet because it's all about utilization. The bank does not give a shit if that if that tractor is making you money or not. They don't care. They just want their payment. That's all that matters to them. So to make the money that the bank requires to pay off the depreciation, uh, to 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 keep that thing running, you have to make sure it runs a certain amount of hours. That it's economics. It's it's just dollars. It has to be running enough to make you the money to pay for the thing. Yes. And in theory, a more flexible machine does the trick. If it's specialized, it can only do specialized work. So either it's sitting idle a lot or you have to go be a more specialized contractor. Yeah. So then you have to, in addition to be good at the specialized work, you also have to get better at drumming up the specialized work to begin with. Yeah. But the specialized work a lot of times is where the higher margins are at Mm -hmm. because you need specialized equipment to do it and you can't just go rent that equipment. So not, you know, any Tom, Dick and Harry can't just become a dredging contractor, for example, because it's, well, you need a dredge. So good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go rent a dredge from United Rentals. <laughs> they don't sell that there? No. So there's a big, big barrier to entry there. It's just how you want to play the game. The one thing I did see in Europe, though, everything was a lot more specialized. Mm-hmm. Everything was a lot more specialized. And I think there's a lot to say for that. But in the US, the pushback I've heard from contractors is the margins are just not there to specialize equipment. We need everything to be as personal and flexible yeah as variable as we can get it painting from a broad brush here it depends on the company sure but i think there's a lot of room in the united states from a rental standpoint so as a contractor rather than owning a specific fleet i can go to rental providers and just rent other more specialized equipment for the job i think you can use rental outfits more effectively in that regard. Uh, but I don't see a lot of people doing that. I think most everybody still is very much on the let's just own our whole fleet all the time mentality. So is it more difficult to rent those specialized pieces of equipment or um, people are just less likely to rent that? 
No, I mean, it, de- it again, it depends. But you can rent kind of anything nowadays. The rental market has blown yeah. up over the past five years. But like specialty attachments, I mean, especially for a skid steer, you can rent everything you'd ever need. True. It's like you, you keep just the, the one thing you use the most and then just try to find, you know, the more specific pieces for when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. But the traditional logic is I just, if I need it, I need to buy it. And mm, you don't, you don't actually need to buy it. Mm-hmm. And I am, I am not very educated on this topic. Sure. But that is how I understand it. Does it seem like when talking about, yeah, you want, just in the American market at least, you want to have uh, versatile, variable, flexible pieces of equipment. You want to keep them as flexible as possible. But to me, that also sounds like you want your operators to also be those things too. Again, it depends. I mean, some some companies like their operators to be specialists and they just keep them. If they're mainline pipe hand, they're going to keep them just there. Just what you're doing. Yeah. Other times it's, hey, we're we're going to do whatever we need to do to keep bread on the table. And then the markets change that too. I mean, some contractors, they'll be just in this one region when times are good. But if times when the work starts to dry up, they'll start to wander to the surrounding states. They hold contractors licenses in a lot of states mm-hmm. to give them a lot of potential. Um, that's like, you know, everybody's so stoked on these big earth moving spreads. The, the, the problem with the big earth moving spread is you got to keep it fed. You have to keep dirt ahead of that thing. Yeah. And if the dirt in your area dries up, now you're having to go chase dirt elsewhere to keep the damn stuff fed or you're sending it back to the bank. Dollars. It's yeah. just, it's a, it's a financial equation. Well, be, yeah, it becomes a, a very simple conversation of, is this making the money we said it was going to make in order to pay for itself? And if it's not, then that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. You're not dealing with, oh, well, we need more specialized equipment to do these work. It's like, oh, we can't even keep it running because there's not enough work for the equipment. Or I knew a contractor that bought a specialty piece of equipment, bought it, you know, it was fine. They didn't need to go put it to work immediately. They could afford to keep it on hand just so that they could bid jobs that other people couldn't necessarily bid or that they couldn't bid without that machine. So it took them a while. Whether to get, they'll use the machine or not? Well, they they intend to go use the machine eventually, but, but they need to get into the market. But if they were to go win a bid tomorrow and they need the machine, well, the machine's not available. <laughs> yeah, right? they kind of had to get the machine in order to try to start building, bidding that work in the first That's place. exactly it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like the conversations that, that we've had on the podcast with operators, I, I find the the types of people who are, their specialty is the machine and less the like the work they're doing with the machine. So it's like, yeah, well, I can do everything with the with you know this piece of equipment and that's kind of their that's the, the thing that they offer is because they're so mm-hmm. flexible with well, whatever it takes i'm just really good with this this piece of equipment yeah um, i think those that thing is really really cool to me and i think that just like a, a plot uh, appeals to <laughs> i'm somebody who wants to be good at everything the first time i try it and how dare something be hard for me the first time i try it and so i that also says like i want to be good at everything mm-hmm. you know it's like i want to know how to do this i want to know how to do this and i want to be able to do them all well and so when i when i see guys who it's like they've put in like the time and effort to be like really good can do whatever with like a certain piece of equipment i think that's really cool yeah there's uh, it depends industry company yeah. you can be a generalist you can be a specialist because there's value for both of those things yeah if you're working at a mining operation you're a shovel operator you load off a face that, you know, you're running a 4,100 on a face, like you're not going to be digging ditches with a 4,100. It's just, 
Yep. Not what it's for. It's one function and that is what you do. And to some people that's mind numbing and they would absolutely hate that because there's not a lot of variability that they want in their career. But other people, they want nothing more than that because it's less about the the variability and more about the understanding of the machine and running a smooth operation and I mean quite literally moving mountains mm-hmm. every every week. Uh there's something for everybody. But if I were a contractor, I would be I would be tailoring equipment. Uh, I would be making my equipment a little more specialized. I would be definitely leaning into that direction. Just you're basically uh, get a little more specific, just kind of with what you're trying to do. They're not quite as broad. Mm-hmm. I'm in that camp over very general. Be like, yeah, we do uh, dirt stuff, and end there. Well, but you can be you can be specialized in just dirt. Like there's are there are companies that just do mass excavation. True. And they do it really well. It's just the problem is you have to go chase it. Well, yeah, I think you literally run out of uh, until dirt. Yeah. So yeah. if you just want to move big yardage in one metro area, you potentially could do that. I can't live on uh, the island of Manhattan to do that work. Well, there's could, probably you're there's, getting out of town. Yeah. There's probably already one contractor that owns the market. So good luck. Upseating them, not that, not to say it's not possible, especially with where yeah. workforce is at, but uh, you have to go get some of the market share. And then, again, there's just only so much of it to go around. Mm-hmm. So everybody loves the big equipment. I love the big equipment, but then I look at it, I'm like, oh, I am so glad I'm not the one in charge of keeping that thing fed because that is a hungry, hungry, hungry machine. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that becomes then the thing you focus. I mean, that, and that's how I guess how companies grow is you then have to find somebody who the only thing they're worried about is making sure there's more work for that piece of equipment to do. That's it. And then if you're winning, you know, 10, 20% of the jobs you're bidding, you have to, you have to look at a lot of projects to keep that much yardage in front of, and then yardage of, of bigger earth moving operations, your lower cost per yard than the smaller operations, you're a higher cost per yard on the smaller stuff just because of scale. So you're having to move a lot more. It doesn't scale in a linear fashion. You're having to move a lot more material to make the same amount of money. What's like a uh, a really good success rate on uh, bids? I feel like most everybody, I, again, it varies. It varies. It's so variable. Yeah. But, I mean, bigger contractors, you're around 10%. Yeah. Which I feel like would be difficult to do the more specialized you are also. You know, I guess like it all goes back to it just depends on what you're doing. It depends on what you're doing. depends where the market's at. depends where you operate. Depends. Yeah. Cool. We'll take a talk about that. But if you're winning everything, you're not going to be in business. Yeah, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) You're making it too easy for people to Um, pick you. Unless you're a unnamed federal contractor I'm thinking of that's just handed contracts without a yeah, they're not doing negotiation the work to get involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. If they're if you're uh, a small contractor and they're picking you every time, you're making it easy for them. And see, that's not an idea. Well, uh uh COVID has I've been I'm I'm really thankful for COVID because it showed me the world is just not at all fair. And we are all playing this is not a fair playing field. And there are people that are clearly, clearly messing with the rules. And now that's how I look at the world. So I'm jaded, which I'm grateful for because sure. it's like, whoa, okay. It's an additional perspective for you. Yeah. So these, a lot of these companies, like a lot of these companies, a lot of these projects, they're not just awarded, you know, based on merit or yeah. price or 
<laughs> there, they've done something oh, to get that. Dude, there is so much monkey business going on. It's not even funny. I mean, especially watching, you know, a $100 billion rail project to nowhere go across California. And you're just sitting like, how? 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 Oh, 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 so it's not fair? Oh, I get how that would work. Well, like, That makes perfect sense. Like so many things we've said, it's like, oh, it just turns out it's about the money. Yeah. And that you follow that, you get you start to get what how this actually worked yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not insinuating. No, not at all. But like I, the real project in particular, it's just is, an interesting example in you, the broader conversation. You just look at it, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, yet they're still doing it. Once so. it started, once it's a huh. money conversation, then interesting. You start to see the pieces. Uh, well, thanks, Jermaine. Appreciate it. Last question from Jonathan. I'm currently working on a challenging two-year-long public works project with a very tight budget and some challenging personalities among foremen and superintendents. Definitely not the high-speed rail project if there's a tight budget. No, it cannot be. I could easily see morale on this job going south. Any advice to keep the morale positive and upbeat? (sighs) Pick a different industry, dog. Um, It's tricky. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, too. I mean, where we're at in our business right now, uh, we're doing great, but it's not like we're just hitting everything over the fence. There are heavy every days. Swing. Yeah. yeah. It's not a perfect batting average right now, which is obviously not possible. Um, and it's tough. I, I think it's important to care for people. That's something you can do regardless of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Really deeply care. Get to know your people and do your best to make sure they're taken care of. That's a big, that's a big thing to um, focus on more achievable goals. If everybody keeps losing, then there's no momentum getting built. There's no confidence. So if you need to dial things back to build confidence, that is a tool in your tool belt. It's obviously not sustainable and you can't lower the standards, um, but you can dial back your goals to help people start to win a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Being honest about the situation really, really helps. Here's like, here's why we're under stress right now. Here's why the schedule is this way. Here's why the budget is this way. Yes, you know, there was this mistake or whatever it is. If you can let people understand why the pressure is there and just be upfront with them, then they're much more likely to give you grace, I've learned. So give everybody the facts is big. And when you do win, even if they're small, celebrate people. Focus on the smaller wins. Not the big wins, not the whole project, but well, because if it's a two-year-long public works project, yeah, you can't just wait to celebrate the thing at the end. Yeah, but maybe it was, hey, we want to move, you know, we want to do this amount of finishing today or this amount of pipe today, whatever it is, and you and you did it. That was awesome, guys. That was really really cool. Like everybody did a great job there. You're building momentum. You're creating confidence in your people. Mm-hmm. I've I've been on the jobs where you're making a killing. It is so much fun. You're just making money hand over fist. You're like, I don't even know how much, like we're making so much money. This is crazy. And then I've been on other projects that are just a fucking grind. They just suck. It's a total turd. Everybody knows it's a turd. I was on one project where it was like the last project the company was doing in that state before they were, they went into a state, they tried it out, didn't work out. They left the state and we were on the tail end of that. And it was a two-year job, so it was going to be a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you were kind of just, you know, the ship is sailing off into the sunset. And like, we'll come get you home. when you're done. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll come <laughs> back, but probably not. Yeah. You know, fuck you. 
not not that wasn't how it was, but it it was. It, it could was, feel that way. Yeah, it was it, oh for sure as a as an individual, and then, uh, okay, great. I was in the middle, so I I had that information of what was going on at the top, but the people in the field don't don't have that. And mm. then there's uncertainty, and you know what about my job? And and I have a family, and and people have worries, and and so if you can communicate with them effectively, give them the facts, and allow them to be part of the solution, you start to move in a much better direction. And okay, great. Nothing else. You're not a foreman. You're in. You're in no uh, place to help anybody. Just show up and and not be an asshole. Just be someone worth working with. You're going to in, you're, you're going to influence that influences things. people still. Yeah. yeah. If you just have a good attitude, if you're just positive about shit, but hey, that was that was really cool today. I appreciate I appreciate you helping me out today. You don't have to be you know Mister Happy overnight. So everybody's like, what the fuck is this guy on? Like, what did he take this morning? But uh, just being positive and start sprinkling it yeah. in there, man. Yeah. I I feel like in with something that like has a kind of defined end and is gonna be long like this, like a two year we're all just kind of in this to the end of it. If there's like those those challenging uh, you said challenging personalities among foremen and superintendents, et cetera. Um I'm sure if like morale is pretty poor in something like that it would feel like agony if you're just like all there and everybody fucking hates each other it is not enjoyable like it is it isn't specifically not positive environment that i'm sure that like you kind of feel trapped in that thing and so i'm sure it is it would be hard to kind of just turn it on be like you know what i'm just going to be positive if everyone else is kind of like pulling you back to being miserable yeah well and maybe the ship's sinking if it's sinking do your thing. Yeah, do your thing. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 again, I, I'm, I'm gonna keep just beating that drum. If the ship's sinking, company sucks. Getting no respect, go somewhere else. But I, uh, yeah, I've learned to be honest with people, and I'm having to do this right now because we're, uh, we're slogging right now as a business. Everybody's working hard, mm-hmm. and everybody, in the grand scheme of things, can go get better jobs. I don't think that they can go get a better job from a potential standpoint. But I need to explain that. In terms of what next month happens, you know, I, it could be better. Yeah. I, I need to be selling the vision, selling the business, selling the opportunity, selling the potential for them as an individual, just repeatedly. All I'm doing right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was on a call the other day with, with key people. Yeah, I'm getting job offers left and right. I'm like, fuck. Like, okay, good. I'm glad we're doing something to keep them here. But I need I, I can't forget that because- these are key individuals and I'm sure, you know, everybody's key, uh, but they've got a lot of other places to potentially be that could pay them more, that could offer them more today. But what I offer them into the future and what I offer them from an impact standpoint is significant, but I need to be communicating that as an individual. Um, and I need to make sure they're cared for because then if you're cared for, if you're satisfied, if your needs are met, you're feeling like you're growing in the direction you want to grow, you're not going to be looking for other opportunities. There's no benefit to you, even if the money is better um, in most cases. Well, because that that becomes just a part of the formula and not the solution to a better job is more money. You know, if you, if you stop worrying about the money, then you're able to focus on the other pieces of it. Yes. Cool. Jonathan, thanks for that question. That's a uh, trick. That's a tricky one, though. I feel for anybody on a loser of a job because that's that just sucks. That just sucks. And it could, like, most of the time, it's not even your fault. 
like maybe the estimator screwed up. Maybe the the damn power company wouldn't get the, the the poles out of the way to screw up your whole schedule. Maybe permits were slow. Maybe material shortages bitch in the ass. Maybe equipment went down or equipment wasn't available. There's so weather could have been an absolute bitch this this season. And yeah. man, we just got screwed left and right by that rain. I don't know what it was. Uh, a lot of times it's completely out of your control and yet you're the pressure's on you to fix it and make money at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you can fall in love with that game, figure out how to motivate people, you could you could do some special things right now. Well said. Well, Aaron, thank you uh, for hitting all those questions. Jonathan, thanks for that last one. I appreciate it. I think that is a uh, Dirt Talk Monday edition Q&A podcast, my friend. We did it. Excellent. Well, I feel some good ones. I feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you have additional questions, send them over to dirttalkabilla.com. We would love to hear from you. And we'll have more episodes like this where we just answer your questions. So whatever yeah. you want to hear, whenever well, I mean, there's not a question that you could ask me that I'd be like, nah, I'm not comfortable about that. Yeah. And I, I think Straight there's up. also something fun about when we do a lot of questions in a row like that, we kind of, you start to get in a little bit of a rhythm. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what we got about this. We got about that, you know, yeah. as opposed to let's kind of sit down and we're, this is really just for us to have a conversation instead of like, yeah, let's just hit these and like people have these questions. Cool. Let's talk about it you know, hit a lot of them. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you haven't checked out YouTube, check out the vlog. <laughs> check out YouTube. YouTube's pretty cool. Dude, if you haven't, this YouTube <laughs> thing, are like, have you seen how many videos of cats are on there? Man, it's wild. unbelievable. And there's a lot of cat videos on our channel of the different variety. Yeah. One's the push dirt. Different cat. Yeah. So yeah, check it out. If you search Aaron Witt on YouTube, you'll find our uh, channel. Mm -hmm. that's, that's just full bore right now all Multiple kinds of videos stuff on there every single week from now until at least 2058 yeah until at least then and what's fun with the vlog is all the stuff that's uh being shown on the vlog that all the places you're going we're talking about them here on the podcast at some point too it's pretty yeah. cool yeah all right well we'll see everybody next time stay dirty <laughs>